Welcome back. Uh, tonight we're going to be back in the book of John. And it, God does this a lot. That uh, We're going to meet another father. We looked at <clears throat> our Heavenly Father this morning in Sunday school. We saw some of His attributes, His long-suffering and His love and His mercy for us towards us. We looked at Lot and saw his failings and uh, saw how our world is not much different than Lot's was, uh, maybe even worse. Today, we're gonna, tonight, we're going to look at a believing father. We've been going through the book of John and we're in chapter 4 and we've seen uh, Jesus here lately. He's been at the well speaking to the Samaritan woman. Uh, he spent two days there teaching the Samaritans because they, they did not want him to leave. Uh, they wanted to learn more. They wanted, uh, they were willing to have him teach them and, and to follow him. So uh, now we're going to pick up in John chapter 4 and verse number 43, and it's time for Christ to leave. And we need to understand that uh, it's all part of God's timing and God's purpose. This was not, um, this was not by chance that uh, it was time for him to leave. It was not uh, a whim that he had. It was just this is a schedule. So... Uh, let's look at that tonight. John chapter 4 and verse number 43. It says, Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. <clears throat> so Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. So Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus had said unto him, Thy son liveth. And he himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here to hear your truth. <clears throat> Lord, this morning we had some rough messages. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would show us a better way. Lord, that we would see the love and compassion and care that a father has for his son and just exactly what he's willing to do to provide. So God, please guide and direct, help us to not only hear these words, to not only hear this truth, but to become a doer of it. Lord, help it to enter our hearts and mold us and shape us and make in us the men and women that you'd have us to be. So God, please guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Christ has been, as we said, in Samaria. He's been teaching at the well and, and I hope, I, I think, enjoying his time. The Samaritans were uh, <clears throat> willing to listen, willing to learn, uh, desiring to hear the truth. And, but it's time for Jesus to, repart, to depart. 
as he returns to Galilee, we notice that Christ didn't stay in one place very long. He moved a lot. And I often wondered as I first got saved and began to read and and see all the different places that he went, I, I was trying to figure out exactly why he would go to all these places. And honestly, it's because he had places to be. He had people to meet. Every miracle that occurred, occurred as he was traveling or soon after he got somewhere. Everything that he did happened during a movement. And this movement uh, is no exception. He's moving again from Samaria to Galilee. Uh, The Galileans love him. They they saw what he did at the feast. They saw what he did at, at the wedding in Cana. And his fame is beginning to spread. People are recognizing him and and knowing him as the miracle worker. Not long ago, he was in Cana and turned the water into wine at the wedding. And now as he returns, he's received and welcomed. As he returns to Cana, he's even sought after by a nobleman from Capernaum. Now, I looked up the distance between Capernaum and Cana. It's about 16, a little over 16 miles. It's roughly the distance from Marshalltown to State Center. We don't think anything of that today because it takes us about 20 minutes to drive it. 10 if you're other people. But for this man, he walked. It was on foot. The average person walks about 3 miles an hour. So quickly, Josiah, if it was 16 miles, and he walks 3 miles an hour, roughly how long would it take him to get there? Can you see the smoke? The hamsters had a workout. He's, he's, he's taking some time off from school, so. Let's make it easy. What's 15 divided by 3? Five. 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 So if he goes 3 miles an hour, it would take him a little over 5 hours to walk 16 miles. Now I would imagine he probably could have cut that down because he was probably in a little bit of a rush. But we need to understand that this isn't a time where it is like today. This is... Today we have social media, we have cell phones, we have uh, cars. We can say, hey, you know, we're going to be in this place, and people know. Jesus didn't keep a set schedule. Even though this trip was scheduled and he had a schedule to keep by God, nobody knew his schedule. He didn't have an itinerary. Um, anyway, I don't want to get into that. But So the nobleman heard that he had come back to Galilee, to Canaan. And he immediately dropped everything and began to travel. He began to seek Christ. His son was sick. He needed something. He needed healing. He needed to become better. Obviously, the doctors had not been able to do anything, or if there wasn't even a doctor there. But but the reason that Christ had to come back to Cana at this point, I'm really sorry, but it's This entire trip back to Cana of Galilee was for this nobleman. Was for this purpose. They're going to wonder what all the pause is on the podcast. All right. 
if you wanted to send a message to tell somebody you were going to be somewhere back in Christ's day, uh, you either found someone that was going there, going to where you were, you were sending the message to, or you hired someone to take that message. That's where uh, the marathon comes into play. Uh, 26 miles uh, was the distance from Athens to Marathon, and uh, they had runners that would compete and run that distance to try and t- carry a message. We saw that with uh, David, King David, as he's fighting, well, as he's staying home, and uh, they're fighting against Absalom, and again, I'm, I'm getting distracted, but you either found someone that was going there or you hired someone to take the message. The nobleman just heard by word of mouth that, that Christ was coming back. That Christ was back in Cana of Galilee. So he hurried and he left everything. He left uh, his house. He left his vineyard. He left everything in the care of his servants, including his sick son, uh, to go and seek Christ. To have him help his son. But why, why, is, why do we seek Christ? Why does anybody seek Christ? We all have different reasons for this. Some are good and some are bad. Some are selfless and some are more selfish, selfish. This nobleman was seeking the Lord because his son was sick and at the point of death. And he needed the miracle man to heal his son. The nobleman heard Christ's miracles and believed that he could help his son. Then he went on a journey to find him. He found out where Christ was and went to search for him. He had to rely on God to help them meet. Now, Cana... Cana is a smaller city, but it's still not a small place. I can't imagine even here in Maxwell, a town of 900 people, that uh, I would... I have a general idea of where all my family is right now, but if I had to go search for one of them, it would take me a while. This nobleman didn't know exactly where Christ would be. He just knew that he was on his way back or back at Cana. He left with the belief that he could find Christ. On Wednesday night, we talked about Solomon and his vanity. In that discussion, we we talked about what wisdom was. We know that uh, we talked about it again this morning. Wisdom is knowledge that is acted upon. This nobleman learned something and by faith acted on it. Because of that, God prospered his journey. And we have the payoff. God orchestrated it so that the nobleman and Christ would meet. And in God's usual way, Christ is able to help. But we see several things here. Christ asks, is asked to heal the man's son and Christ immediately confronts the man. In verse number 48. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Christ is testing this man's faith. He's trying to see just how much this man wants him to come heal his son. And this nobleman has two choices. He can either go believing as... I'm sorry, I skipped... In verse number 49, the nobleman pushes. He more earnestly begs. He says, Sir, come down ere my child die. He's laying everything he has at Christ's feet, seeking his help. And Jesus simply says, Go thy way, thy son liveth. Now this nobleman, he has two choices. 
He can either go believing in faith that, faith that his son is healed, or he can go believing that God has failed him. Last week we talked a little bit about George Mueller. Uh, I just got the, his autobiography biography for the kids to read this summer. We talked about how he spent years praying for people to get saved and died not seeing the answer to those prayers. Yet he continued to believe that God would answer those prayers and the people that he was praying for would get saved. He never had a doubt that God would answer that. This nobleman chose to believe that Christ would heal his son. And even though Christ wasn't going to do it exactly how he wanted, he believed that his son would be taken care of, and he began that long walk home. Now it says that the next day his servants met him on the road, so he had obviously had to spend the night there because they didn't travel at night. They didn't have headlights or flashlights. Nighttime was a dangerous time. Somewhere on the road, the man's servants meet him, and I can only imagine this man's heart as he looks down the road and recognizes his servants coming towards him. It's probably about the same experience we get as we look ahead and see the police car coming at us or see him coming up behind us. I saw one the other day that had uh, had the sheriff logo and everything on it, but it was in reflective tape. So during the day, you can't see it, but at night, it reflects. Didn't recognize it, which is odd, but... Anyway, man, I'm getting distracted. I can only imagine this man's heart. He knew they had news of his son. I believe that he thought, he believed in his heart that it was good news. But I wonder if he ever doubted. But God gave the nobleman his answer a little early as he traveled home. He didn't have to wait until he got all the way home to understand that his son had truly been healed. His servants tell him that his son is alive and that he's healed and his faith is paid off. Now there are many others that go away sad. We, we think about the, the lawyer, the, the, the rich man that came to Christ and said, what must I do to, to, to enter into heaven? And, and Christ said, keep the commandments. He said, all these have I done. And then Christ said, sell everything and, and give away the money and come and follow me. And the man left sad because... He was very rich. But what about us? When we pray to God, do we believe that He will answer those prayers? Do we doubt when the answer doesn't come the way we think it should? Has God ever let you down? If you feel like He has, I wonder if what you wanted to do was really something he would want to do. You see, this nobleman came to Christ seeking the healing of his son, a selfless act for someone else so that the boy could continue to live and grow. But we often pray for things that uh, the devil would love for us to get entangled with. I've told you many times I used to pray to win the lottery. I'm so thankful I don't play. But I was always hoping for a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory moment. Reach down and find the coin and get the golden ticket. But that wasn't God's plan for me. 
That was the devil trying to entangle me. I never got down when I didn't win the lottery, but I got down when times got hard. And I struggled. But I know that God has never let me down. When God doesn't grant those prayers that the devil wants to entangle us with, we blame God for the outcome. But we can't forget that God never does anything to hurt his children. Everything that he allows into our lives is for our good. We see this again in Romans 8:28. For all things work together for good to them who are the called according to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things the good and the bad. Even Job, when God allowed Satan to come in and, and tempt him and, and to uh, take everything he had, Job never sinned against God. He never, he never doubted God's love. Fathers, today, tonight we saw a father that was willing to risk everything to save his son's life one that was willing to undergo a long journey to seek something that wasn't certain. Tonight I pray that we would have that same heart, that we would have that same courage.